Alright. A couple weeks ago I talked about being great in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to just add a couple more things onto the, the pile of considerations as we seek kingdom greatness. Because that's what we should want. We should want to be great in the kingdom of God, not great in the eyes of man, not great in self-esteem, not great in simple accomplishments in, in the moth and rust category. We should seek greatness in the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 3, 10 through 14, I was struck as I read this today by the simplicity of kingdom life. Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. This is talking about John the Baptist. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? This is in the context of John coming, preaching the baptism of repentance. The crowds are asking him, What shall we do? And John the Baptist says, What? Does he say, You need to, uh, you need to quit your job? And you need to go start a monastery in deepest, darkest Africa or become a traveling evangelist and garner to yourself thousands of followers or start a social media account and be an influencer with with millions of views for Christ or no. John the Baptist says, and he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, And what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not take money from anyone by force, or accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. Pretty basic. John says, Okay, whatever God gave you to do, just go do that and love people while you do it. It's basically what John the Baptist said. Don't quit, quit stealing. Quit abusing your authority as a soldier. Quit making people do stuff. Just go love people. It's pretty basic. We are so prone because we see through the eyes of man to see true kingdom work. And when I say we, I mean me. To see true kingdom work as if I, if I were really great in the kingdom of God, I would have a massive social media following. I would have... Um, I would have released 10 albums of music. I would have, I'd be a pastor of some thriving church. I would, that, would, that would be greatness in the kingdom of God. Maybe a missionary who started a church and has seen thousands of conversions. And I'm not knocking any of those things. If that's what God has called you to do, you do that. But that's the point. The point is that greatness in the kingdom of God is what did God tell you to do? Now go do that like a Christian. That's how we pursue greatness in the kingdom of God. The reformers got this. They brought back this doctrine of vocation where God has called you to whatever it is that he called you to. And you now do that in the strength of Christ, by the grace of Christ, for the glory of God. And that is greatness in the kingdom of God. Because God uses all these different people with all these different jobs. He assigns the roles in the body of Christ. And it's so easy for us to see kingdom greatness as something that we have to achieve in a, a eyes of man sense. That then I would be great. If I just could, could do that thing, could be that thing, could accomplish that thing. And what does John the Baptist say? Share. Don't collect more than you're, you're told to. Quit pressing people into service. 
Use your authority as a soldier to love people. Extremely simple, extremely basic. Go do what God gave you to do and do it with love. Do it like a Christian. Love other people. And then what we combine that with Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus says, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations. And what do you get? You get this idea of God made you to do what he made you to do. You walk humbly with your God. You listen to him. You walk with him. You don't just go and accomplish stuff on your own steam. You seek to be where he called you to be. And then there, where he put you, you love. And you proclaim the gospel. You share the good news of Christ. You proclaim the lordship of Christ. And you work faithfully, joyfully, and you love selflessly and generously. And that is greatness in the kingdom of God. It's so much more simple than we make it out to be. We make it this big, complicated self-improvement scheme, and really it's an obedience thing. It's just humble, faithful obedience. Another passage I'd like to look at on the same topic, Matthew 18, 1 through 6. 18, 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called the child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's not the answer we would expect. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, surely it's going to be uh, somebody who starts a great political campaign for Jesus or somebody who you know, is an evangelist who wins millions to Christ. And am I saying those people aren't great in the kingdom of heaven? Of course not. I'm saying that that's not how Jesus does the math. Jesus doesn't say, you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you better get yourself a 30-year plan for how you're going to have the most prosperous Christian ministry organization known to man, and that's how you're greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he says. That's how we do the math. That's how we think in our flesh. Think that Those are the guys that are really great in the kingdom of heaven, and I have no doubt that many of those guys are, that God has blessed them because they were faithful, etc., But my point is that's not the roadmap Jesus sets before us. He doesn't say, figure out how you're going to build something great for me. He says, humble yourself. Come to me as a child by faith. And the more you do that, the greater in the kingdom of heaven you will be. Now, that's not to say that Jesus won't take a lot of those humble children and put them in charge of massive ministries or call them to be best-selling authors or whatever. Absolutely, God does that. God uses that, and that's a blessing. This is not a knock on those things when God does bring, what do you want to say, success we can see with our eyes right here, right now. But rather, it's for us to recalibrate because it's so easy for us to get things backwards. It's so easy for us to think in terms of the stuff down the road instead of what God put right here, which is love. Be humble. Walk in the fruits of the Spirit. If you're a spirit-filled person, you will bear fruit. If you're not a spirit-filled person, it doesn't matter how much you try to bear fruit. It won't work. We put the cart before the horse. We think, oh, I'm going to do that for you, Jesus. I'm going to do that for you. And he's saying, I told you to do this. I told you to be humble. Listen to me. Songs come to mind like Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, Whatever. 
I made a list. I'm not going to get all the lyrics right, but the basic idea is I made a list and I presented to you all the stuff, all the ways that I thought you could best use me. And then I read the letter that you sent me and you said that all you really want from me is whatever you say. Just do what God says. That's all he wants from us. It's that simple. And for some reason, we just refuse to be content with that. But when we are, there's much joy there because we're trusting in the architect to build the house with humble, obedient, childlike faith instead of climbing the ladder of my own glory. It helps us see the importance and the preciousness of the unimportant things, the things that seem not to matter, like loving my kids day after day, helping my wife, talking to that that guy on the street, whatever, those unimportant little things. If that's what God has called me to do, it is the most important thing I could be doing. I mean, do we understand that? Do we get that? It is more, if God is calling me right now to invest in my child, it would be less effective for the kingdom for me to go preach a great sermon to five million people than for me to obey what God has given me to do and talk to my child, right? Because that's how God works. When we obey by faith, he blesses. And we're seeking the blessing of God, not simply the stack of achievements, notches on our belt. That's not building anything. We want the house that God is building. That's what we want to see erected. Not the house that we're building in our own flesh. This perspective is so important for us to meditate on. We have to meditate on it because it's just so hard to get. We're so, it's so easy to just see what's in front of us and not see through the eyes of faith. I think about that song that Greg and I were just singing this morning. Love the song, uh, song by Brian Salve, about, uh, Old Neptune, He's Roaring. Song for, uh, specifically for boys, he wrote it for his sons, about going out there and conquering the dragons. And amen. That's the kind of vision I want to cast for my sons. But we have to make sure we're understanding that biblically. Because if we're not careful, that can lead to the same kind of feeling of, okay, if I'm going to be a real man, then I need to have traveled the world. I need to have gone deep sea fishing in Iceland. I need to have whatever, fill in the blank. That's slaying the dragons. And in, in a way, I mean, that's great. Amen. If that's what God's called you to do, go do that. Awesome. There's a, a glorious thing to masculinity that goes and conquers. Amen. But if God has called you to work a nine to five and love your family and preach the gospel to your children day in and day out, that is slaying dragons. Amen. And Leviathan trembles a lot more at that faithful father who is leading his children to Christ than it's some guy who's out there pursuing the glories of manhood apart from Christ, apart from obedience to the Holy One. So without taking away at all from the message of that song, which I like very much, it's just another example of how we have to calibrate biblically. The goal is not greatness in the eyes of man. Alexander the Great, everybody knows him as Alexander the Great. Why? Because he killed a bunch of people. I mean, that's his legacy. Was that manly? In a way, it was masculine, strong. Was it eternally valuable? I have no reason to think that he has any eternal hope beyond the judgment of God for murdering however many unnumbered thousands of people. What did he, what did he build that is really something to be proud of? And how many Christian men have gone to their graves in ignominy and left a legacy 
that will be surrounding the throne of God forever. And nobody knows them as Joe the Great. Doesn't matter. They did more damage to Leviathan than Alexander the Great ever dreamed of. So let's measure greatness like God measures greatness. Let's come to our Father like humble children and yield to Him. And as we walk humbly with our God, we should expect to see great things. This is not at all to take away from dreaming big dreams for the kingdom of God. The point is, I want to dream God's dreams. The point is not, my, uh, I, I shouldn't have any aspirations, but rather, my aspirations are big because my God is big. I want to see him move. I want to yield to what he has planned. Whatever that looks like for me personally, my glory is not the point. His glory is. But because of that, I've got great expectations. Because I serve the kind of God who's up to something. He's doing something, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be way better than whatever I could have cooked up in my own tiny little brain. So it is for us to come humbly before God, to seek his power. Like Moses, I can't do it, Lord. I got a lisp. That's not the point. Just do what God says, and he will part waters. He will rain fire from the heavens. He will bring nations to their knees. Jesus Christ will be exalted. And he delights to do that through the humble obedience of his children. May that be us.